Bretto, two wellness base camps down, one to go. That's right, MP. After a sensational day in my hometown of Adelaide, the wellness base camp heads to Kayama on June the 2nd. Fuad Kassab, his sultry tones will be there. The gorgeous Helen Patteron. Maria Zushman, all about stress, the queen of stress. The incredibly handsome Marcus Pierce. Oh, Bretto, you're too kind. The hometown hero from Adelaide, the remarkable Dr. Brett Hill. <laughs> going to be a great day, MP. And the best part is when you register for Kayama now, not only do you get two tickets for the price of one, you also get our recordings from the Wellness Base Camp in Brisbane, valued at $97. Oh, wow, MP. Brisbane was a great lineup too. We had the Up For Chat Girls, Cindy O'Meara, Kim Morrison, Karen Smith. It's a fantastic recording to chuck in. Eight presentations from Brisbane. Saturday, June 2 for Kayama at the incredible pavilion overlooking the ocean, Bredo. I don't want to sound biased, but it is the most remarkable venue that we've had for the Wellness Base Camp so far. Saturday, June 2, two for one tickets at thewellnessbasecamp.com. That's thewellnessbasecamp.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up For A Chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And we are really excited to do today's podcast with you, even though we don't have our spunky little Cindy with us. She is off traveling the world as per usual, lighting up lives. And well, she's doing um, she's doing her road trip at the moment, though, isn't she? Kim? Yeah, yeah, I think she is. She's in New Zealand as we're recording this, and yeah, she's been having a great trip around. Said it's been one of her most favourite tours. Um, and a lot of people have been saying lots of wonderful things going to all the regional towns. So really, really good to hear that she's um, she's loving it too. So yeah, that's where our girl is. You know, I love I love being able to get out to some of those rural areas. Um, you know, because we always seem seem to do our events and the conferences and the wellness boot camps. They're always in the major cities, so being able to get out to some of the rural areas is such a treat. I'm so glad that she's doing that. Yeah, yeah, she's loving it, darling. Awesome. Well, today, given that she's not with us, we had to come up with a topic that was kind of like hot for both of us. (laughs) And we decided we would talk about writing books. Now, we have got so many of our listeners that have sent us messages or made comments on our posts on Facebook and social media about having a book inside of themselves where they really would love to be able to express, you know, what they've gone through or to be able to share their journey in a way that supports and helps others. And Kimmy and I are both authors. Kim's done a hell of a lot more than what I have. And we thought that it would be a really cool opportunity for us to talk about what it actually means to write your own book, what's the process that you go through, what are some of the resources that you can engage Um, what else you can do if you feel like you're not necessarily the best writer or you don't have a lot of time. Like, what are your options? How does it work? What does it look like? And first things first, where does it even start? Because I think a lot of people, and I, I don't know about you, Kimmy, but even for myself, like I'm working on my second book as we speak. 
and my head is just this jumble of ideas and thoughts. In fact, it's so freaking full that every time I go to sit down and write, it feels like I can't actually say anything because there's so much to say, I can't say anything. <laughs> yeah, it's that overwhelm, isn't it? Oh, and I procrastinate and I put <laughs> it off and I think it's not going to be good enough, all of that sort of schmozzle. So what have been, well, tell us about your experience of writing books. What's, what, cause you've written heaps, heaps of books. What have you written? So, uh, you know, I was uh, like you have been told every one of us has a book in us and many of us probably don't feel like we've got something worth sharing until you realize perhaps some of the books that you've read or you see people out there doing it and you think your story is even as engaging or even more compelling. So I really do believe that every single one of us has a book in us, whether or not we want to write one or we think it's important to is another thing. One thing that inspired me to write books was the fact that I could, um, you know, it's a bit of a legacy. You're leaving behind a legacy of your work um, for your children, your partner, your family, and it's really beautiful and personal. So, I mean, the book journey... Funny thing is that English, when I did English at high school, I, I didn't particularly enjoy, you know, doing evaluations of plays and, and reviewing books and all of that. I, I'm just, I didn't think I was a natural writer at all. I still to this day don't think I'm a natural writer. Natural, oh, really? Yeah, natural speaker. And it was so funny. We, um, <laughs> Fleur and I were, we were sitting there one day. I got asked to write an article on um, essential oils back in New Zealand in, in 1999. And it was during that time that, for those of you that know that my relationship with a friend called Fleur um, Davis, she was sitting there and I said, I think we've got to write a book. And she said, cool. And neither of us gave it really any more thought except great. So we did up a two-page proposal and took it to a publisher. And the first publisher actually turned us down. We were horrified. We, we couldn't believe that they would turn down two novice authors and anyway one of the girls from marketing pulled us aside said look I think it's actually a great idea it just doesn't fit the genre that we sell which is sports autobiographies <laughs> um so she suggested who we went and talked to so we went and saw another <laughs> publisher so this is going down the publishing route what, what made you what made you go to a sports autobiography publishing house because Danny just had his published there so that was my only point of contact in the publishing world like I'm talking starting out in a very novice way not having a clue so she was lovely and they did actually try and make it work, but they decided aromatherapy and sports autobiographies probably weren't going to work. So, um, <laughs> so we decided Harry Potter got turned down nine times before she got accepted that we had at least eight to go before we'd give up. So thankfully she steered us to a publishing house. So that's probably my first tip. If you're going to go publishing, then look for the genres that suit the sort of book that you're writing. There's no point going to an autobiography sports place if you're writing oils, <laughs> just saying. So yeah. uh, the next publishing house we went to did cookbooks, but they also did a lot of self-help books. And they actually signed us on the spot, believe it or not. And when I look back on it, I realize how potent and powerful that was, but they could see our energy, our enthusiasm. They also knew that we were speakers. So it's all very good and well to have a book. And a lot of authors seem to think that when they've finished writing a book, that that's it the work is done now the book will sell itself but you can imagine they get something like 1500 
uh, book proposals across one publishing house, and that's a small one, every year. So then they'll choose a number of those. And then it's how do you make your book stand out? And being a speaker was a way that we certainly could make it. So we uh, went to town and we said, let's do it. Now, in New Zealand, there's a bookshop, a chain of books, which I, I guess is the equivalent of Dimmicks, called Whitcalls in New Zealand. And Whitcalls would not take our book on. They didn't think it. They thought it was too niche. This is the light chocolate for women book. And I was horrified. So I said, well, how do we get it into Whitcalls? And our publisher said to us, well, if someone rings up, goes into a Whitcalls or rings up a Whitcalls and asks for the book light chocolate for women, then what they will do is they'll go to the distributor or the publisher and they'll order two copies in, one for the customer and one to see if someone else orders it. And then I worked out how many Whitcalls were in the country and my mother and I rang every Whitcalls in New Zealand and ordered the book. <laughs> and um, so now Whitcalls had the book in every shop. And apparently they can return the books after a certain period of time if it hasn't sold, but that's how we got the book in there. And then the second book that we published, we actually, uh, I had a dream of having our book in, the, in Queen Street in the window and the way to do that at Whitcalls is we asked if we could have our book launch there. So I got all my wishes came true, but probably just not the conventional way. So I think if you're going to write a book, you've got to be a little bit cheeky. You've got to be a little bit um, bold and have some courage, unless you're just writing the book for friends and family. So, so you know, if you're going to do that, you can always have it as an e-book and just keep it in your in your files. But there's something about holding a book when you've published it. And when that first copy arrives and you hold that little baby in your hand, I've always likened the process to a pregnancy because from the moment we had the conception of the idea right through to holding it in our hands and having our book launch took about nine months for us. Um, so I've always looked at it and always thought, oh my gosh, you get so excited when you find out you're pregnant or you've got the deal. Oh my gosh, beside yourself. But I can honestly say morning sickness set in really quickly and, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I felt very flustered. And then halfway through as you're getting bigger and bigger and it's getting closer and all the editors and all the designers are at you and everything's happening, you can almost feel very uncomfortable until the birth of this baby. And then, you know, once you're holding it in your hand, it's pretty ex extraordinary, as, as you would know. And I think the most important thing for our listeners is if you are going to write a book, first of all, you probably have to think about, do you want to get it published through a publishing house, which some people have said to me is like going to a glorified printer. Um, I think that there are more than that. They help a lot with the editing and the design and they put all the money up front. Then your, um, your, your proceeds or your royalties are a lot less when a, when, a, when a publisher takes it on, as opposed to self-publishing where you have to draw and put all the upfront costs for editing, design, printing, um, and then distribution, finding the right distributors and things. You actually front the costs. And, and for us, when we first did that with White Chocolate for Women, it was nearly $40,000 we had to come up with to print the first 5,000 copies over that period uh, because we relaunched White Chocolate for Women when we moved to Australia. So, yeah, my first question to, your, to, to you as a listener would be, do you want to self-publish or do you want to get it published? Uh, both have their positives and both have their challenges. So, yeah, that would be my first point. And, you know, I think that that decision is pretty, um, it's pretty strategic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not um, a decision to make for the faint-hearted either way. Um, I had a conversation with somebody just the other day because I popped a post up on Facebook about, um, you know, writing and editing because I've been doing lots of writing lately and I um, 
got a couple of inquiries behind the scenes with emails and phone calls and private messages of people saying, okay, shit, you know, I've, I've got to do a book or I want to do a book and I just want to know what I'm up for before I start. Mm. And my advice to them was actually at least write the first chapter or the first three chapters. Just get it started before you worry about that because a lot of people will actually see the end process and it will cripple and paralyze them in the beginning. Whereas if you actually start writing the book, and I don't know if you've been the same with this, Kimmy, but when you actually start writing, if you can just do the first three chapters, then in that first three chapters, if you decide to get published by a publishing house, that forms part of your book proposal. If you decide to self-publish, well, then you're already three chapters in. But the momentum has already started to gain and you're less likely to put it on the back burner because you've got a little bit more clarity and direction that you want to take with the book. And sometimes you don't get that clarity, you don't get the direction until you actually start. Mm -hmm. But I think that both processes, like I said, are not for the faint-hearted. You know, if you're going to self-publish, it's such an exciting journey and Jeepers Creepers, you learn so much about the industry. You learn about what it means to typeset. You learn about what it means to um, for the editors and the process that the editors have got to go through and then you'll find that you're probably still not even happy with the book once you've had it edited and then you need to find another editor and, you know, all of those sorts of um, challenges or learning curves tend to present themselves and then, you know, once you've had the book printed and, you know, you've worked out how much each book has cost you based on the number because there's also being able to print on demand, yeah. which is really cool because for people who don't have a lot of money to invest in self-publishing, you can print on demand, which means that you can print a short run of maybe 10, 20 or even 30 books at a time if you wanted to. It costs more but you're not having to store 5,000 books in your garage that you may never sell, you know? Yeah. But I think that um, even going down the path of getting it published is big because you've got to find the right publisher and then you've got to work alongside that publisher to get those books sold and get your message out into the hands of the people that you want to serve. So then, you know, once the book is written, it then becomes a journey of marketing. It's no longer about your message anymore. It's about marketing your message. And I don't think that a lot of budding authors are aware of that side of it um, once the book has gone to print, which is why, you know, when I popped up that note on Facebook about who was editing, it, you know, I'm, I think I got like 80-odd messages or who were authors. I got 80-odd messages and most of the books I've never heard of. Because the people are terrific writers or have really put a lot of energy into writing the book, but it hasn't gained traction because they didn't consider the whole process of getting it into the hands of the readers afterwards or at least get that support or outsource that as a resource, you know? Yes, um, yes. That's such a true point. I mm. think, you know, I think the, the biggest thing, like you say, no matter what, I look at a book writing process like a marathon and it really is, it starts off a wonderful, like I said, when that morning sickness sits in and then you realise that you're actually got a big task. I mean, you think about it, sitting down to write 60,000, 70,000 words and to make sense of it and to make it flow and to make sure it's edited and scripted and it's engaging. And because the spoken word is very different to the written word. And we noticed that um, when we, 
gosh, what was it? Um, we, so, so Fleur and I thought, hey, we can do this book. We, we speak really well. So you know what we did, Kaz? We did a two-day event and we recorded it. And, yeah. then we tra- and then we transcribed it and thought, there's the book. But the sarcasm oh. and the lack of ability to understand nuances and, and tone mm. and, and eye contact and all of that, that's when we realized, actually, it's not going to be that easy. So um, I actually have used your skills so much when it comes to in speeches and writing. It's the same to the book. And, and what I've noticed where you've helped me and for our listeners, I've been writing a book over the, been taking notes for the last couple of years to do this book. And Karen has been instrumental, which is why I really wanted to share today with you guys how she has helped because I think she could help you if you're interested in writing a book. And Karen, what got you, what, what makes it easy for you to write? Like how does it work for you to make it easy? You've really supported me in a real strong editing and process role. What, what else do you do? Like what, what have you seen come out of this for you? Well, I think the most important thing, and I I went to a, um, how long was I there? Maybe it was about a five-day book writing course. Gosh, it would have been back in 2006. And it really gave me all the information that I guess I've really drawn on each time I've even written articles. You know, every time I write, I, I, I draw on what I learned at that course. And it was, it's really about getting structure with your thoughts because when you have the idea to write the book, it's not organised. We understand it in our own minds. We understand what we're trying to say or we understand what our overall message is or, or the point that we want to get across or the story that we want to tell. But in order to be able to communicate that in a way that moves and inspires your reader, that's a different skill. Because it's not about your, um, uh, and I don't mean you personally, but I mean as, as the author, it's not about the author's um, uh, way of speaking. It's about being able to write in a way that the reader can dive in, stay connected. Because ultimately we all want to write one of those books that no one can put down. You know, we want to write a book that everybody's like, oh, my God, that's fabulous. I started and I couldn't stop. So being able to structure your thoughts in a way that communicates inside of the heart and the mind of the reader, I personally believe is vital. And I don't see that a lot of books do that or all books do that, but you know the ones that have done that. Mm -hmm. And um, so to structure the thoughts and then to be able to put them in a logical and a sequential order so we're not jumping all over the place chronologically. I think that's important, especially if it's, uh, you know, like a timeline for a story. You know, back in 2006 this happened and 2007 that happened. So, you know, you need to be able to communicate in a chronological order that makes sense to the reader. Mm-hmm. And your structure gives you that mm-hmm. ability to do that. Mm-hmm. And so organising your thoughts in a structure is the first thing. But then once you've actually got the structure, then it's a case of, eating an elephant one bite at a time. It's really, you know, it, it can, you can make it overwhelming for yourself or you can give yourself a target. And that's ultimately what I've done when I've written books for myself or I've been a ghostwriter is I've given myself a daily word target. Like I might say, okay, well, this particular book is going to be 100,000 words 
and I've got six months to write it or I've got four months to write it or I've got a month to write it. So if it's got to be 100,000 words and I've got 20 days to write it, well, jeepers, creepers, I've got to get 2,500 words done per day. Is that right? Yeah, Maybe. <laughs> Something like that. What's better? <laughs> I'm an accountant, but don't trust me. So, <laughs> but, you know, so I'll work it back to how many, uh, 5,000 words a day, isn't it? Yeah, 5,000 words a day. Yeah. Um, and work, and, and let me tell you something, writing 5,000 words a day without a structure is impossible. Mm-hmm. But if you have the structure, then you can just choose what you want to write, what chapter you want to write on that particular day. And you don't need to write sequentially sometimes. You can write on the experience in 2006 one day and the next day write on 2010. Just kind of follow your divine inspiration, I think. Yeah. And then set about on that note, just with the, the structure, like what if you feel like you've got so many thoughts there is no structure? One of the things that you taught me at, um, at one of your speech classes, and this could go for writing talks or books or whatever, but I love your way of putting key thoughts onto post-it stickers. Can you just explain that whole post-it sticker thing? Because it was just awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So it was one of the, um, well, I guess I've kind of combined a couple of different strategies. When I first did that book writing course, she really encouraged us to, rather than type something into the computer, write it by hand because there's a creative process that happens between the hand and the brain. So what she just encouraged us to do is to get a folder and put um, plastic sleeves into the folder and then make each plastic sleeve a chapter. So as you get ideas for the chapter, pop the note into the plastic sleeve. And then after about three or four months, go back and revisit the plastic sleeves and then you'll know what that chapter is going to be all about. Mm. And the other strategy that I've combined with that is when um, Greg and I were together, uh, that's my partner that committed suicide for those of uh, for, for our listeners. Greg was in the movie industry, and one of the strategies that he taught me for creating a movie is what's called storyboarding. And storyboarding is what Kim and I have done with the post-it notes. It's where you get a clean wall or a piece of glass, and you start writing your ideas onto post-it notes, and you stick them on the wall, and you just brain dump. No, no structure, no direction, but really just brain dump all of the different ideas and stick them on post-it notes. And then once you've finished brain dumping, stand back and start with one post-it note and find where it fits in the chronological order or in the direction or in the steps. Find where that post-it note um, sits in the context of your book and stick it on the window. And then take all of the other post-it notes off and then work through one post-it note at a time, deciding where that post-it note fits. Is it in Chapter 1, Chapter 8, Chapter 12 or Chapter 15? And I can tell you, you will get it wrong 10 times because you'll have something in Chapter 1 that you'll think, actually, no, that should be in Chapter 7. And then you go, no, 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 hang on, that should be in Chapter 4. Actually, now that I've done all the chapters, that belongs back in Chapter 1. So, so, so it's really being flexible with yourself, not expecting yourself to get it right just really playing around with it. But that, that post-it notes in, 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 um, and brainstorming is just fantastic because it's a very visual process, you know. 
Mm. I found I yeah. found it really helpful, and I've done I've used it for writing my powerpoints or any speeches I've done. I've given it to Taylor and Jacob to help them structure essays and things like that. I I actually find it's brilliant on all levels because you can. I'm someone who likes to visually see something um, before I can really grasp it so so let's say so I'm just going through this process here if we're going to write a book and number one is to decide whether you'll publish or self-publish and even that can change as you're going no doubt number two is to get structure and think about like brain dump it all out but just have some sort of structure whether I guess what sort of genre you're going to do um, maybe have a look at what you can do for um, the topic or whether it really is the topic that you want to do I then look at number three that you said was like, then start looking at it like eating an elephant, just one bite at a time. I loved your thing at number four of creating a daily word target to work to because that's the other thing with writing a book. If you decide to start writing a book and you don't have an end time in it, that time can go on and on and on. And there's always something else that takes a priority. So unless you have a deadline, which is a positive of working with a publisher or a distributor that's got a deadline, the wonderful thing about that is you've only got six weeks to get that next um, transcript into them. So you know, sometimes a deadline is the greatest motivation uh, to get something complete. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then your storyboarding. If you, Then you can start really getting into the nuts and bolts. And number five was storyboarding it. Uh, sorry, storyboarding it. So now start really getting into the nitty-gritty. And what I love about the, the Post-it notes is that, like you said, when it's visual on the wall and you've got a story over here to reiterate a point, now you can pull that story over into this chapter. And it looks like a whole lot of lines. Um, so you have chapters going across the top and then you have all these lines going down with different topics. And what I found so powerful powerful in that is I realized some stories didn't now matter other stories I may have forgotten oh my gosh now I could bring essential oils into this or oh my gosh I could bring in a ritual into this so I found it really supportive and helpful for you to do that so as a person who's a novice to this kids what like so so some of us aren't naturally gifted to write so mm. um did tell me I know you're moving more and more into this field Tell me what you would offer somebody if they were listening to this somewhere and actually I'd really like to get some support from Karen. Like how would you help someone to either get a book out of them or to write their book? Um, okay. Well, so um, I think because I've had the luxury of being a speaker for so many years and I've, I think I've taught hundreds of thousands of people across the globe about how to extract their story and their message from themselves. I think that's a real, um, it's a real benefit that personally I've got that gives me a lot of confidence in this field. If I hadn't done that, I don't know that I would be moving down this way. Um, but I guess in terms of what I would personally offer if somebody wanted to, to, to engage my services, there's a couple of different steps. And, you know, you have kind of captured the... The words for it so beautifully because I hadn't really even thought about it um, is really being able to help people structure their message like extract a message pull it out of them extract it and structure it once you've got the structure then you can decide whether you want to um, write it yourself and just have somebody like me support you and coach you along the way chapter by chapter 
making sure that it has reader engagement, making sure that it has flow. And when you do that, when you, when you engage a coach or somebody like me like that, it halves your editing cost. So where most editors will be anywhere between three and $5,000 for um, up to 90,000 words, you can probably look at your editing probably costing you around $1,700 to $2,000 for your editing when you've got somebody who's doing that process with you all along. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so you can either engage somebody like me to coach you along the way chapter by chapter and write it yourself or the next step is to say, well, look, really, you know what? I don't think I have the right words. I don't have the skill to write or I don't have the time. And then you engage somebody like me as a ghostwriter. And what a ghostwriter is, which has been really interesting because a lot of people are not familiar with that term. It's where, an, where somebody wants to write a book and they either don't have the time or they're not necessarily skilled at writing and they hand it over to somebody who is and that's their job, and that person extracts all of the information, gets all the details that they need, and then they set about writing the book on behalf of you, on, on your behalf. They, it's not cheap. It's definitely an investment. But you'll land up having a book that is far better than if you're not necessarily a skilled writer a ghostwriter is a skilled writer, so you'll have a book that will get your message out in a far better way, but also, too, you'll get your book out much faster because if you were going to write your book, it might take you 12 months, but if you get a ghostwriter to do it, it'll take three months. So you can get a ghostwriter to do that or, you know, if you're looking to me, I'm doing ghostwriting, so you can definitely get me to do that for you. And then from the ghostwriting, my name doesn't appear on the book. Nobody knows that I've written it or the old ghostwriter, whoever you choose, has written it. Nobody knows that. Your name goes on the book as the author because it's your content. It's your message. It's everything that is inside of you. But the ghostwriter has just very skillfully and artfully extracted and put it into a way that the reader is compelled and engaged. So it's not actually the ghostwriter's content at all. In fact, you know, you enter into an agreement saying that the ghostwriter doesn't own any of that content at all and then you get your book done, you know. So from the ghostwriter, then you send it to an editor. But for the most part, if you've had a ghostwriter who's a very skilled writer, your editing should again be around the 1500 to $2,000 mark rather than four to $5,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I think... I think that there are a lot of different options out there for people who feel like they don't know what to do, you know, and and I don't think that we need to sit sit there with our book trapped inside of ourselves. There are resources that you can reach out to that will help bring this book to life, but in a way that is healing and cathartic for you and also in a way that captures and engages your audience because sometimes our stories don't necessarily translate or our experiences don't necessarily translate to an engaging story or sometimes we haven't quite mastered the message in our experiences. And I remember that was something that was vital when I was writing Soul Survivor was that, yes, I've been blown up, yes, my partner's been through suicide, but what is the message in the story as I paint the pictures of what happened and where I was and, you know, it's not just 
words. It's kind of like you want to let your book show people what happened or show people what your message is rather than tell people what your message is. So that means that you're, yeah, it's like your, your words have got to create a movie inside of the reader's mind. So that's a different way of communicating. That's not the same as speaking. It's, it's, it's very different. And you were spot on when you said that writing is different to speaking. And I think that's why I love it so much. I mean, I love my speaking and I love my writing because it allows me to use words to make a movie. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> you know, when I've had this last book in my mind for a couple of years and it's, I, I actually, so to, I, I went back one step further than that just in case listeners are interested that even if you've got a little spark sitting there and you think one day, but you've got young children, so you may not be able to write it or you've got a full on career that you wouldn't write it. So I got myself a full scap um, blank, um, what would you call it, scrapbook. And every time I thought about something, instead of putting it into the folders, like you were suggesting the sleeves, I would write it in this book. And then when I listened to certain podcasts and took notes, I would think, oh gosh, that would be so powerful in this book, which was all around self-care and self-love. And then unbeknown to me, um, about a year later, as many of our listeners will know, Jacob got kicked out of school. And um, it was there that I pulled out this book and reiterated to him what I had written over the last year or a half because I noticed people were struggling a lot. And it was in delivering it to him from that scrapbook that when he turned around 20 minutes later and said, Mum, you've got to get this SHIT out there, he said to me, you've got to get this out. And I figured if a 16-year-old boy was interested in that message and the way I told it, then I definitely had to write it. So then when I had my back surgery, I actually wrote down every single thing I could imagine that I want to write in each of those chapters. And then I employed somebody to listen to me talking about it. And then I recorded two of the talks that I did to deliver it. And that person transcribed everything that I said. And it was from there that I was then able to talk to you about the structure and making sure that my words flowed better. And I would love to say to people, if you are thinking about someone like Karen, that where she has been so powerful for me is, first of all, having me believe that the words that I'm writing actually have some impact and that they're worthy and that there is something there. But secondly, also to stop the waffle or the repetitiveness or the mistakes. And like you were saying before, Karen, about actually getting that sense of um, flow occurring. And your coaching alongside of me with that has probably been one of the most enjoyable parts of writing this book. And I have really, really enjoyed it. And then when I was on the plane just recently, because we're getting into the final stages of it, I was reading this book and the lady next to me, I haven't told you this, Karen, this lady next to me, we had a gap between us and I got my book out and I was reading it and just making a few notes here and there. And this lady looked across her glass and she said, oh, you're making me feel guilty. I, um, I haven't put my, I'm reading a book. I'm not, I'm not working. And I said, oh, you deserve not to work. Just enjoy it. And she said, oh, no. And I said, anyway, I'm not working. I'm just reading my book I've written. And she went, oh, you've written a book. Like she was flabbergasted. And I said, yeah. And then she said, oh, wow. And then she just kept looking at me and I said, would you like to read a few pages? Anyway, so I handed her the first part of the book that I'd finished looking at. 
And I looked over it and she, at one point she had these tears in her eyes. She, um, she had goosebumps on her and she just looked up at me. And she just went, oh, my dear. She was an older woman. She goes, oh, my dear, this is, this is a beautiful book. Oh, and she goes, I wish I'd had a book like this in my hands when I was a young woman. And oh, honestly, it just it totally, totally floated my boat because I was so in it. I was missing. I, I'm probably missing a lot of the gems now because I've read it so many times that it's not feeling as new, I guess, or, or whether yeah. I, I feel like yeah. it's good. And so to have a complete stranger who didn't even know me, um, she read probably the first 40 or 50 pages and she just said to me, I cannot wait to see this book on the shelf. And it was like kind of cool to have someone really um, who has no idea have a look. And that was a really nice process for me. And now as it's going to the editors, I've got a few friends that are going to read it as well when it goes to the editors, just to make sure I haven't missed any of the stories that I like to share. Um, so that was a really cool thing to occur. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. That is fabulous. Because and I think coaching, sorry, I, I, I just think your coaching has been so magnificent in that, my love. Oh, thank you, beautiful. Well, I mean i I have loved every second of it. And I think it is a beautiful book. The message of it is so delicious. And I think that, you know, when this does actually hit the shelves it's going to go off like a frog in a sock because nobody's doing it, you know? And, and I, and I think that it's something that's so necessary for so many hearts and especially for women, especially for women who, you know, we give ourselves such a hard time. So to be able to actually have some tools and some strategies that are all about self love that are not wishy washy, but you know, that are genuine self fortification strategies, I think is vital. So it's I've, I've loved it. I, honestly, I can say to you, hand on heart, the last few months that we've worked together on it, I have loved absolutely every second of it. And people talk about being in your element. Well, oh, bloody hell. I've, I've been in my element like a kid in a candy store. Oh, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. Bring on the next project, I say. Bring it on. <laughs> Can you draw? Because I've got a kid's book here as well that I'd like you to help me with. Yes, fresh. <laughs> Sold. Done. <laughs> That's my next question to you. If you have an idea, like, like there's so many different genres of books. So, you know, you've got your fiction, you've got your crime, you've got your thriller, you've got your romance, you've got your chick um, lit, you've got your... Um, your autobiography you've got kids books you've got teens you've got like you know what what if you've got a story or you've got something to share how do you know what's the best way to share it like do you already know that because I've never been a fictional writer so I wouldn't have a clue what to write there but I can tell stories so what's your thoughts around how do you know um, what it is to write because some people can tell an autobiography as if it was a fictional story but it's in fact them and other people can actually tell it as a um, as, a, as an actual autobiography. Both are very compelling and both are very enjoyable, but, you know, mm. what, would, what would be the better one? I guess it's the one you enjoy writing. Well, absolutely. I think that's the only way to gauge it is some people just, like my mum. So my mum has just, um, she's just about to complete her honours in creative writing. And um, she's 76 years old and bless her cotton socks. She discovered two weeks ago that she's actually a fantasy writer. 
And all of her university studies, they've been trying to get her to write academically and good grief because she's not studying so that she can get a job out of it. She's just studying for the pure enjoyment of it. She's bucking against the system saying, no, I refuse to reference. <laughs> I refuse to research. My story is about Mercury and Sophie who's fallen from Mercury. <laughs> and Tiger, who represents her courage, stands beside her. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, you know, she gets all up in arms about it and it's gorgeous. And she... <laughs> you can just see her. Oh, love. It's beautiful. Oh, she's amazing. And she, you know, she's created this fictional story that is actually a depiction of her own life. And so instead of actually telling her own personal story, she's put it into a fictional journey that people can follow. And now actually what she's discovered is that it can also be a kid's book. So she's got like an adult's novel and a kid's book will fall out of that. If she decides to go down that path, who knows? At the age of 76, who knows what she wants to do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's discovered she's a fictional writer, but only now just discovered that through doing what she doesn't love. So sometimes we don't know what we love until we experience what we don't love. So my recommendation to anybody who's wanting to write a book and doesn't know whether to make it an autobiography or a story um, is to just try and write the first chapter of an autobiography and then write the first chapter of a story and see which one lights you up more like a Christmas tree because whichever one lights you up more like a Christmas tree is going to be the direction that's going to keep you um, passionate about the book, which means you'll be waking up at two o'clock in the morning and can't wait to start writing. And that's, that's the energy that you want to have in the book because that energy then transfers to the reader, which, you know, is contagious and makes it just such a delicious read. I think, you know, you, uh, but, okay, so here's the other thing. You yes. have an incredible ability to articulate so beautifully with words in your spoken and written word. What about the person who's not so good? Is that when you've got a ghostwriting? Because the essence of what they're saying could still be really good, but someone mm. like you would be able to encapsulate it and, for want of a better word, make them feel more like an intelligent or emotionally <laughs> intelligent writer. So, um, <laughs> Is that a fair comment? You know, some of us are not so great at articulating it, but you would be able to bring out my message without losing my voice. Is that what a yes. writer would do? Yes. Yeah, totally, totally. And, you know, don't for one second, for all of our listeners, if you don't feel like you have the right words or the language, it doesn't mean that you don't have a book. Oh, my God. You know, you so still have a book just engage somebody like a ghostwriter who can do it for you. You know, it's just, sometimes it's just, some of us have got certain talents and certain gifts. And I'm very grateful to my mum for giving me the gift of communication in both spoken and written, but there's an absolute difference in the two and the skill set in the two. Mm -hmm. So I'm very grateful to my mum, but you know, not everybody's got that. And it, but it doesn't mean that you don't have a spectacular story inside of you. In fact, it's probably more likely that you do have a spectacular story in, inside of you because you may have more emotional access than what someone like me does. You know, because I'm very intellectual, you might have more emotional access. And then if I can put words and paint pictures to those emotions, well, wowzers, you know, then it just becomes 
magnetic and electrifying and potent and spectacular and I get so excited I could just wet my pants right now at the thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. Yeah, because sometimes people are, you know, more more feeling than um, articulating. You know, some of us speak through stuff and some of us experience stuff. Mm-hmm. And just because we don't necessarily speak through stuff doesn't mean that those experiences don't have um, weight and they don't have a really powerful message that can transform people. And that, that's, that's kind of my other reason for doing all the work that I do, you know, teaching people to speak and speaking myself and doing all of that is because I honestly believe that all of our experiences Everything that we've learned and everything that we're passionate about, it's not just for us. It's everything that we experience and love and learn is on behalf of mankind. And it's up to each of us to find a way to share that with the people that are ready to listen or ready to read. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, it's just important to understand what your, what your talents are, what your gifts are and then work with people who can complement and support you to, um, to get that message out so that you can make a difference in the lives of others. You don't have to be um, a 5 million copies sold person to have oh. success with a book either, do you? It's not like no. you have to be a New York Times bestseller. I met a man over at the, in New York um, who sold 250,000 copies of his book and his way of selling that book, which was, by the way, the title of his book. Are you ready for it? What? How to Get Out of a, Getting a Speeding Ticket. Oh, I love it. That's, that was his book. He sold quarter of a million copies. I've never seen it on the New York Times bestseller. I've never seen it anywhere. He sold it all privately. But one of his ways and his whole point of his talk was that he did it through the medium of radio and he was trying to say that radio is not dead radio is a great way people when they interview you about your book on radio they're willing to hear you talk you usually get longer air time and things like that as opposed to television you've got 30 seconds three minutes one minute but radio people are very they so love hearing your story and yeah. don't ever think that people aren't going to be interested in this book when it comes it's just like you said at the beginning um, the marketing of it that's so so incredible. Do you remember when Rachel Birmingham and Kim McCosker launched um, Four Ingredients, um, yeah. the cookbook? And I'll be honest with you, I, this is so bad. This was so oh, love. When she showed me the first copy with that number four on the green cover, I thought, <gasps> I, do you know what I said to Cindy? Oh, dear. Oh, oh dear, dear, dear. That's, that's just not going to go very far like to me it was all visual and it certainly wasn't a cookbook that I would buy how's how interesting is that not not that I wouldn't support them and of course I'd buy because they're my friends but it wasn't of interest to me little did I know that they would go on to become Australia's biggest selling um, authors in this country that's ever seen and now Kim has gone on to create an empire out of the four ingredients brand. So also be mindful that you have no idea where the life of that book could go or where it could, what could happen with it. So I think the other thing here is first and foremost, make sure or think about it. I think everybody's got a book. I think write it down. Maybe even, and, and I don't, I hope you don't mind me saying this to you. There's, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people are listening to this, but you know, you might get inundated with emails cares, but it, it could be that can they, could they have a, um, a session with you just to like a, I don't know, 10, I, I know within 10 or 15 minutes, you told me I was on the right path and the right track. 
could yeah. I'm just suggesting maybe I mean you might even want to do a webinar on it or something Karen how's this I'm throwing things at you but yeah thanks love <laughs> I think there's a lot of people out there that would actually really benefit from whether or not now's the time or what is the book or like yeah I've, I've taken two and a half years to get this to paper this book that's it's oh, just wow. been percolating in my mind so you know it's not that you have to have it all done today or tomorrow but you know is what, what's the process that we could go to with you you're if, so funny I'm sorry I just want to put it <laughs> right all righty then that's okay well now that, is, <laughs> now that you've said that oh, I love it look well we have 2.5 million followers on the podcast so this could get rather rather busy. So what I might actually do, actually, no, seriously, if you guys do want to, um, fruitcakes, what am I going to do? Okay, <laughs> send me an email at info at Karen Smith, C-A-R-R-E-N-S-M-I-T-H.com. So it's info at karensmith.com. Send me an email and then what I will do is depending on how many emails we get, I will send you guys all a link to join me on a big fat conference call mm. and we can talk through some of the stages and phases of putting your book together. And then for those of you guys who think that you would like to work with me, then we can make an appointment to chat one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Yeah. How does that sound? That way everybody gets some information that will be valuable, but then those that want to go further with me, then we can talk. Yeah, no, I think, and I think people would just really, if nothing else, coming on to that, you'd actually get an idea of whether or not you're even ready to do this. And sometimes that's half the battle is working out when's the right time. So, mm. so, so let's talk about how you make money from a book. How, let's say they've, they've listened to your webinar, they've gone on, they've signed up with you, or they're, they're actually going to take the plunge, they're going to write it, they've done it all, they're ready to launch. How does somebody actually make money from a book? Well, yeah, it's a really good question. So if you're, if you're publishing the book through a publishing house, generally the returns on a book is around $2. So for every book that gets sold at a bookstore or a newsagent or an airport, the author will get about $2. If you're self-publishing, of course, it might cost you five between five and $8,000 to get your first, I don't know, what is it, your first 1,500 books printed. It might cost you between five and eight thousand dollars, but it will cost you around about three dollars eighty um, per book. So that then the rest of the profit's actually yours. So if you're selling your book for twenty five bucks, let's say it costs you five dollars per book to have it printed and, and um, edited and so on, then you're making twenty dollars profit per book. So that's from the money side of it. So if you get it published, it's two dollars. And if you self-publish, it's about $20. But then also, too, if you're publishing the book and you have friends and family or you decide that you're going to do a, a talk at a local library and you'd like to sell those books at the library, you actually have to buy the books back from the publisher at a wholesale price, but it's usually around the $17 price point per book. So the incentives to self-publish are definitely there from a monetary point of view. But if you don't have um, a marketing strategy or somebody to support you with a marketing strategy, then you could actually land up writing off that five to $8,000 because getting 
making money out of books these days is much more challenging than what it used to be 15 years ago before we had um, Kindle and online and ebooks and the prolific information on the internet and all of that sort of jazz. So it's a little more challenging to make the money, but I think that kind of takes us into the next conversation is what is the marketing strategy? Yeah. Isn't it? What are you, what have, what have been some of the things that have worked for you? Um, absolutely um, bluffing my way through everything. So <laughs> Um, we wanted to do it. We were told by our publishers that we couldn't do a book launch, that they don't do book launches anymore because there's no money to be made in them. Um, and unless you're a Jamie Oliver or someone like that, they're not actually that keen to, to do book launches. Um, so one of the things that we did is we put it on in this, we, we asked, well, for instance, the one we did here on the Sunshine Coast, we went in and asked Mercedes-Benz if we could do it in their big showroom because that was everywhere. Every time I drove past it, I thought it would be amazing. Um, we then went in there. They said that we could do it for, you know, that we could hire it for nothing, that they'd love to, to support us. We were told people on the Sunshine Coast don't go out at night, so we thought we might be lucky if we got 50 to 80 people there. Asked a couple of local celebrities to speak at it. Um, and we sold 260 tickets, $20 mm. a head, $5 per person went to a charitable organisation here on the coast, Cindy McKenzie Breast Cancer Foundation, and the rest of it paid for the little nibbles that we had and the glass of champagne or wine that they all got. I, it blew us away. Ironically, and this is why I always say just, you know, go for it, is Mercedes-Benz were also launching their chocolate-coloured Mercedes um, the same month, which is why they said this is perfect. So, you know, just through just trusting your intuition, pulling on all strings, asking a few celebrities or asking someone in the, in the public to actually be the MC for you, then you've got that to push to the media. Like, just be a bit presumptuous. And so ours has always been through speaking cares. And I know many people also do written media releases to different areas or they, get, they employ a PR person. So we also took on this person for a couple of months. And she got us into all the local papers, onto radio, into television. So, you know, it depends how much you want to spend and it depends how much is in your budget or what you're capable of doing. But I also know a lot of people have done it very, very well going into libraries and just slowly selling a book by book by book. Um, you know, I, I take my hat off to any, any strategy. It's just what's going to work for you. Um, but they're the main ones that we've used, talking, libraries, um, and doing events. So an essential, an educational event that we then sell the books at. Um, or when I'm asked to speak somewhere, I always ask if I can bring my books to sell. That's how, how we did it. Yeah, it's, I, I was very much the same. Um, I got my book to bestseller simply by speaking. And I think that a lot of the people who've gone through my speaker training program have been authors for exactly that same reason. They just want to be able to sell it at a bookstore or sell it at a library talk or you know, they don't necessarily need to fill a room with 500 people, but to just be able to get it distributed um, through those smaller sort of avenues, you know. There's a friend of ours who's just printed a cookbook and I was just talking to her the other day saying she needs to go on a book tour through all the health food stores and allow the health food stores to get their customers in and then she does a cooking demonstration and a presentation on the book, on the, on the cookbook. And, you know, that's something that she hadn't, necess she hadn't actually thought of before. So it's oftentimes a case of talking to somebody, and this was where, you know, actually you and Cindy and also Rachel Birmingham came in 
you know, you really came in leaps and bounds in terms of help and support for me was that um, you guys told me what to do with the book so that I could give it some legs and it could get into the hands of my readers. So I just want to suggest for you guys, because we're coming to the end of the podcast now, I want to suggest for all of our readers, you know, reach out to people you know who have done a book and have gotten it out successfully and have recovered their investment or, you know, have worked really well with great publishing companies. I know Penguin has been really good along over the years. and There's lots of different publishing houses, but, of course, as Kim said in the beginning, you need to make sure that you're going for the right genre um, with your book. But reach out and ask questions. You know, this is not something you're supposed to know all about. Reach out and ask questions and then there's always going to be people out there, including the three of us, who will jump at the chance to support you and help you with whatever it is that you need. So go ahead and do that. But I think we're really well and truly at the end of our podcasting time mm-hmm. now. Kimmy, this has been fun. Oh, I loved it. And I just want to say I cannot tell people enough to, to jump on to um, your webinar when you get that set up. I'll be there with bells on. And I just, I, some, I think sometimes there is so much going on in our heads, my love, that to have someone like you just extract it, um, compartmentalise it, put some structure to it, and then the flow and the magic really does occur. So I can't rave about you enough and what you've done. and oh seriously I'm not just waxing lyrical I absolutely believe wholeheartedly in your skills to support us to have our message like I said before you maintain our message without losing our voice and that was your whole theme saying to me the whole way through my process of this book and any of my speeches that I've done you've always helped me maintain my voice so for that I think there's no one better thanks Kaz Oh, I love you, sweet pretty. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's so sweet of you. Mm. Well, thanks, love, and for all of our all of our listeners. You know, I'm spur of the moment, and I'll make it happen. You watch. <laughs> <laughs> Email me at info at karensmith.com if you guys have got questions or if you want to have a conversation with. Um, you know, how I might be able to help you. And for those of you who are already thinking to yourself, hell yes, let's do this, Kaza, love to have you on my team, then you and I will have a conversation together one-on-one where we just explore what that looks like and if we are going to be a match for each other. So um, info at karensmith.com or, of course, post directly onto our Facebook page and feel free to go on our Facebook page with all of your questions and all of your comments after today's podcast and that's all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. Um, you can also post your comments at all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. But what I will ask you guys is don't post messages to me there because I'm not necessarily checking that. If you guys want to talk to me about the books and being on that webinar, then um, just make sure that you send the email or you put it on our Facebook page. So thank you, everybody, and thank you, Miss Kimmy. What a beautiful conversation, and don't let your book lie dormant inside of you. Get your message out, share your story with the world because, you know, everything that you're passionate about, you love and you learn is on behalf of mankind. So let's all band together and make this world a better place, eh? okay? All right. Thanks, Kimmy. Love you, sweetie. Love you, button. And we'll see all of you guys same time, same place, same station next week right here on Up for a Chat where you get to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We want to take you with us on the ride, so let's do this. Bye for now, everybody. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.